0: Using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Today's episode asking ourselves, asking each other, has the internet ever changed your mind on something? this is the perfect conversation starter to have with someone else (laughs) with a friend with a partner with a group i really really like this question unfortunately i am here talking about it to myself in the microphone because we are at our lake house for the summer the internet here is terrible makes it really hard to record remotely with a guest. And so I'm just going to pursue this topic anyway alone. But I want you to take this question in particular to someone else. I'm really curious to hear your response to this. If you post about it on social media, I'm really curious to hear some of my own friends' response to this and just like ask people how they have Been influenced, how their mind has been changed on the internet. Now, I decided I wanted to use this question as a show topic because right now, of course, things are more fraught than usual between the election and COVID 19 and Black Lives Matter protests and the president, and all kinds of things are happening that it feels like not it feels like, it is, a lot more fraught online, even than usual. And so, of course, when that happens, when you see maybe like arguments break out in a comment section or something like that, inevitably, someone will say, I don't want to argue with you. No one has ever changed their mind from Facebook. Or something like that. And usually that's kind of another way to say, let's agree to disagree, or I don't want to talk about this any further, or I don't want to get into a fight with you. That's when I tend to see this idea come up that no one has ever changed their mind from a Facebook post. But because I keep seeing that idea right now when times are a little tough online, I started to ask myself, well, that's not really true. I mean, I understand why people say that, but I'm just not positive that that's true. And so I wanted to throw it out to you, the community, to myself, to ask, when has the internet changed our mind? Because I think that it can. I really do believe that. I know sometimes we don't want to believe that because we want to think that we are not being influenced by advertising or snark or strangers or memes or anything like that, but we are. I just think we are, all of us. None of us are immune to this idea. And so I wanted to sort of talk through a little bit of the ways in which our minds might be changing, and then also some examples from my own life, and then also some of you from the listening community sent in some voice memos so that we can hear from a few of our own listeners like how it has changed their mind in some way. And by the way, this does not all have to be some deep, meaningful thing. In a little bit, when I give the examples of how the Internet has changed my mind, I have examples of like silly things. And then, of course, there are some really deep, important cultural ways in which the Internet has changed our mind, changed our lives, And I'm going to talk about both of those. But I do feel like I want to say, even though this is like a really, really good conversation starter, it doesn't have to be super deep. It can be. I encourage that. It can also be like silly. Also, as I was preparing to do this topic, I already decided I was going to do it. I'd already put it up in the 10 Things to Tell You connection group on Facebook that this was going to be the topic for this week. After that, I was on some kind of a comment thread and somebody wrote a really eloquent couple of paragraphs as a comment on someone else's post about how we all really need to be having face-to-face conversations. We need to be, quote-unquote, doing our research or doing our reading or whatever offline. And that posting things on the internet has never changed anyone's mind and that it's causing more of a divide and she wrote it so eloquently and made such a persuasive argument for this that i was like oh no maybe she's right so then i had to like sit with it for a second and think maybe the internet isn't changing our mind maybe it is everything that's happening offline in our lives and in, in our conversations and in our relationships and then we're bringing them to the online space we're posting about them or whatever And maybe that's true, but I really think that these things are going hand in hand. I think that when you see something posted online, it may spark a real life conversation that deepens your understanding or maybe, you know, opens your heart to a point of view you didn't understand before or vice versa. Maybe you have a really great conversation or something is pointed out to you in real life offline and then you start to see it referenced or you start to see it repeated in an online space. And so... You can either look at that as confirmation bias or you can look at it as just, oh, now your eyes are open to this new idea, this new perspective. These things are going hand in hand. Obviously, I don't think that we're learning all things on the internet and that's changing our perspective solely, nor do I think that learning and opening ourselves to other thoughts and perspectives are happening only in the context of relationship. I do think that that's like the deeper learning is in the context of relationship and seeking out ways of learning that are more longer form, like reading a book or listening to a podcast series or watching a long documentary or something where you're getting a longer form education about something. But maybe the idea of that sparked because someone recommended it On the internet? And that sort of makes this question really ultra broad, right? Like, when has the internet changed your mind? Well, it might not have been your first encounter with that idea, is seeing someone post about it on the internet, or it might, and then you took it further. Also, what is the internet in this context? I was kind of meaning social media. When has social media ever changed your mind? But it's more than that, right? Like, is Podcasting, is this considered the internet? I'm not sure. It sort of seems like gray area. Is like a long-form article? Yes, of course, that's the internet. But like, would you have stumbled upon that long-form article if you weren't searching for something or if someone hadn't recommended it? Probably on social media. The internet is a big, broad term. And I also don't think that I wanted to pigeonhole this exact conversation into only social media. Social media, the social part of it, is where we are interacting with one another, and that makes a big difference. And then media, of course, is media in the loosest sense of the word, meaning actual journalism or just people's opinions. So it's a big, broad conversation we're having here today, but it's a good one. And I want you to be honest with yourself about when your opinion might have been changed because none of us are immune to the algorithm, None of us are immune to confirmation bias. There is a podcast series out right now. Actually, it's wrapped up, but there's a podcast series that I have been recommending to a lot of people made by the New York Times, came out this spring. It's called Rabbit Hole. I highly encourage anyone to go listen to it. It's fascinating because it goes to some real extreme conspiracy ideas, things that I think are very interesting to follow, like internet culture, YouTube culture. I'm not a YouTube person, so that was all very eye-opening to me. Certain conspiracy theories right now that are affecting our politics here in the United States, a lot of church and religious thought. They're exploring a lot of these ideas and how they are evolving and how they're being shaped on the internet in this podcast series called Rabbit Hole. But besides all of the stuff that is like sort of just like juicy and fascinating, the thing that struck me the most from the series is they go into a pretty complicated explanation for how algorithms work, how YouTube in particular, even though I'm not a big YouTube watcher or anything like that. I can only imagine that all of social media is working in a very similar way to this. But they're explaining how it serves up the next video that you might be interested in, how it is showing you, even among the people that you follow, a very specific type of video, how they're really leading you down a path by showing you similar content that might be just a little bit different, might open up just a little bit more into whatever subject it is that you're trying to watch. And then before you know it, you've turned just a tiny degree one way, and then you do another search in this particular topic, and they show you someone else that is also similar to the video you just watched, and then you turn another little degree. And then before you know it, after watching 50 YouTube videos, you've fallen down an internet rabbit hole of thought and you aren't even aware that you have been manipulated is a strong word but that you've been influenced you think that you are in control of it because you are the one who typed the search into the search engine but you're completely unaware we are not you we we are all unaware of sort of the things that are happening behind the scenes that are affecting what types of content you get shown. And so it's easy to believe that, that a lot more people than you think agree with you or that a lot more people than you think disagree with you. It's very complicated. I feel like I took a tangent here. I'm not sure I totally understand it. I do want everyone to go listen to New York Times series, Rabbit Hole. But my point and even bringing it up is just to say we are all influenced by the algorithms by the search engines, by our past behavior online that is being tracked and then being sort of refed back to us, if that makes sense. So do not think that you are some standalone rogue person on the internet. We are all being influenced in this way. And I think that's really important to note in a conversation about how the internet is changing us, how our minds can be changed from silly things like beauty products and online shopping and that kind of thing to much deeper cultural issues around race and religion and politics and all of these things that America is grappling with right now. So the second thing that happened over the weekend, the first was that this woman made a really good argument for how no one's mind has ever changed on Facebook, and I almost believed her. But then the second thing that happened was Just in the past 24 hours from when I'm recording this, a high school acquaintance from my hometown posted something on Facebook that was out of his typical wheelhouse. I'll put it like that. It was different from anything else he ever posts. And predictably, a lot of people had a lot of reaction to it. (laughs) But because he is a good guy and he's a kind person and the thing that he had originally posted had been written in sort of a loving manner, even though it was a bit of a departure from his normal content, the conversation that ensued in the comments was, for the most part, also kind, but sort of asking him to rethink, let's say, like, I wish you would Think about this more, pray on this more, research this more, this kind of thing. So there was a back and forth happening in the comments, but it wasn't like a crazy fight. And I was reading through because I was very interested. And there was a lot of sort of a lot of the normal rhetoric that you see from on Facebook in the comment section. But what I also saw, because the original poster posted a few follow up things like started some new threads on his page along the same topic, And as I'm watching it unfold, I'm not telling you right now that people's minds were changed in an instant by any means, but what I could see in a civil conversation on a divisive topic in this thread is that people were maybe rethinking. Now, I'm not saying that they're rethinking it on the deepest soul level right there on social media. But maybe they were rethinking either their language around a topic, they were rethinking some of the things they were posting as facts, that someone was sort of putting up a rebuttal, and so then maybe they weren't facts, and this was surprising. There was some rethinking happening on this very thread. Again, it wasn't any kind of a revelation. You know, if, if I were to repost it, which I wouldn't do because this was on a private page, but if I were to repost it... You might shrug your shoulders and be like, yeah, this kind of thread is happening all the time. There are nice disagreements happening on social media every day. A lot of times, if we're not that interested in it or if we feel like we already know how that's going to go down, we just keep scrolling, right? It's not something we pay a lot of attention to. But because I knew I was going to be talking about this today, I really read it from the eye of what is happening here and I could see there was some learning and relearning and adjustment happening right there on an everyday thread from normal people on a Sunday evening. And I just think that that's fascinating. I will never let anyone tell me that the internet isn't capable of that type of change because I've witnessed it, because I've been a part of it, because it has happened to me. And I just think that that's really interesting. And when you dig your heels in and say that the internet has never changed you, or that you refuse to kowtow to social media peer pressure, or, you know, if you just really dig your heels in and say you refuse to change, or you refuse to engage with a thought that you ha- have decided is wrong, this is when ma- makes us sort of hate each other in a way. Because another thing that I'm thinking about in terms of when has a person's mind been changed on the internet, is if we are learning from friends or from strangers. And this is not an easy answer because be really, really honest. Is it easier sometimes to accept an idea or maybe to hear a perspective if it comes from a stranger versus if it comes from a loved one? Now, I know both sides of this. I'm sure that you do too. But it can really matter. Sometimes, in some occasions, if you hear something from someone you love, your mind changes on that idea immediately because you trust them and you know them. You understand they're telling the truth and you understand that they don't have an agenda except for what they're saying. And then you have no choice but to be open to what this person you love is saying. In my own life, I have had friends or loved ones tell me something where I had a preconceived notion about what it was like to be that thing or have that experience. And the second they told me it had happened to them, I changed my mind immediately. Immediately. Because when you have a face in front of you It is different. And it doesn't mean that I'm spineless. It doesn't mean that my previous position held no weight. It doesn't mean that I am a completely wishy-washy, unintellectual being. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means that when I was presented with a human face telling me something true, I can change my mind on what I thought about something theoretically. Theoretical versus real life? That can change your mind fast. And I know that this has probably happened to you. It's easy sometimes to think, oh, I would never change my mind on that because I would never know someone who would be this or do that or that this thing would happen to. And then when it does, maybe you change your mind. And maybe it's immediately. And this can happen online, of course. Maybe someone posts something that you didn't even know about them. But because you know them, and in all the context of their wonderful human glory, you know that they mean what they say, and it might open you up to a new perspective. On the other hand, one thing that I've learned to be true about myself, and I don't know what this says about me, but I'm just going to be honest about it, it is easier for me sometimes to hear new ideas or to hear new points of view from a stranger. I think because there's no emotion attached to it, if it is opposite something that I am already thinking, if it's in opposition to something that I already hold to be true, when I hear it from a loved one, it can make me irrationally angry or defensive because I feel like it's personal. I feel like they're attacking me because they know I believe differently or... The way that they've said it, because I know them, again, I know them in all their context, the way they've said it just hits a nerve with me. Whereas the same idea or statistic or something like that, when presented from a stranger where I have no emotion attached to it, maybe I can hear it differently. I can hear that number, that statistic, I can hear that fact, and I can think, oh, well, is that true? And then maybe I'll Google it or... You know, maybe do some more research where if it came from someone I know, I feel the need to defend myself and my already existing belief more than I care to examine or investigate what they are saying. And that's a huge difference. And I think it depends on the topic. It depends on the time of day. It depends on what else is going on in the news cycle. There are a lot of factors to how you may receive a post from a friend versus a post from a stranger, and I don't necessarily think that it matters, but it's interesting to think and notice for yourself as you're scrolling, like, am I touched by this or annoyed by this extra because it's a person I know, or am I able to hear this more because it's a stranger? And either way, that's just life. It's just human nature, I think. I have learned a ton on Twitter. I know that Twitter gets a lot of flack. None of the social media platforms are perfect, of course. A lot of people don't love a lot of things about Twitter. But I will tell you for myself, over the years, Twitter has been where I have been able to hear things differently in the way that we're talking about. And I'm almost positive it's because it's mostly strangers. There's that old saying... I mean, old saying, that's a weird way to put it. Like it's a proverb or something, <laughs> but really it's just old in terms of internet time, maybe from 10 years ago or something, that that Facebook makes you hate the people you know and Twitter makes you love people you don't know or something like that. Did I butcher that? Anyway, I follow mostly strangers on Twitter and I am able to hear what they're saying Better. I don't know why. I can't even examine why in the few minutes that we have here together. But it's just true. And I wonder for people who are mostly on Facebook, where it is friends and family, and they aren't on any platforms where they might be hearing from other points of view, from new points of view, from strangers' points of view, or opposite, of course, people who are only on things like Twitter and refuse to be on social media with people that they know and love and Maybe they do that to keep boundaries and sanity in relationship. I mean, everybody makes all their own decisions. But for me, it has been a healthy mix to learn from people I know and to learn from total strangers. And just truth be told, I am often first given the seed of thought from a stranger. And then when I hear from someone I know or love kind of more on that same thought, if my mind has already been opened to it, Maybe I can hear it better. And I'm just being honest about that. So learning from friends versus strangers is a big component. Another big component is how we are learning. This is totally a personality preference, but I also think we aren't totally aware of how this is happening every day, like all the time. But what I mean by this is if you are more influenced by or in a place where your mind might be changed. If that's coming from like longer, thoughtful captions or sentences, if that's coming from snarkiness, like if that's coming from memes and humor, and for most of us, I think it's all of the above, right? Like there's not just one way that you're going to learn. But I do think that all of these different approaches, whether it's a funny meme or or a snarky one, or a very well-done, put-together video, or a TikTok at this point, or a YouTube video, or a tutorial type of thing, or just a very well-written Instagram caption. Any of these things, like, again, depending on our mood or what the topic is, definitely can kind of weasel into our psyche and affect us for better or worse. It's not always like love and light, a growth opportunity. Maybe if you consistently are seeing really snarky memes about a topic that you were either neutral on or maybe you stand in opposition to what all those memes are, all that snark around it will make you even that much more angry or that much more apt to dig your heels in on this particular topic or make you judge all the people that think the other way, I do think for decades and decades, it has political cartoons, which that's what the good memes are these days. I mean, they're an extension of the old political cartoons that used to be in the newspapers. That actually does affect people. It matters. Memes matter. (laughs) And I definitely think they can affect the way we think about things. So that is my lengthier-than-I-imagined discussion on all the different ways that the internet can change our mind and why I think it's a really good thing to be aware of as we're all trying to exist on the internet. And this audience is growth-minded, and so I know a lot of us want to be aware of the types of things that we're consuming, aware of the ways that the algorithm may be manipulating us, and just awareness is key here. How what we're sharing is a reflection of what we really think instead of just like a knee-jerk reaction. Again, I do not say any of this from a place of having nailed it at all, (laughs) but I do just like talking it through, and I hope that you guys have really good conversations this week with your friends, with your families with partners, with coworkers, about when we have had our minds changed on the internet and over what. So after the break, I'm going to give you a few examples of when this has happened for me, and then I want to hear from the listeners who sent me messages about how the internet has changed their mind. Okay, so now I want to give a few examples that I was just brainstorming out of the ways in which... My mind has been changed from the internet. Now listen, I've been on the internet a long time, and I've been working on the internet a long time, and a lot of you I know have followed me from my old, old mommy blogging days, and maybe you have even witnessed a whole transformation in my life, and that is real, and I have documented quite a bit of it along the way that I started out 10 years ago very, very conservative, very dug in on every single thing I believed and was raised to believe and was sort of living in a place of not just identity politics, because it wasn't all political, part of it was religious, part of it was just life philosophy. I had a real identity built around being a small town conservative Oklahoma girl making a life in big liberal Los Angeles and I really like clung to a lot of those pieces of my identity that I wanted to be seen as a outlier in LA I wanted to be seen as a person who never changed from my roots like, I was who I was always and forever. And it took a lot of shedding of skin. It took a lot of humbling experiences and some life experiences and some relationship callouts. It took a lot of things along the way where I had to sort of look up and be like, is this what I actually believe? Why am I fighting this fight? Is this who I want to be? Am I just being lazy in my belief system and rolling with what I have always known instead of opening up to other ways to be and think? And do I want to be this entrenched in a particular identity? And it turns out I didn't. I summed all of that up in about 30 seconds when really this was many painful (laughs) years that I'm talking about, lonely years. I feel like I lost myself a little bit in those years and didn't really start waking up to the fact that it was okay to change, and it was okay to shed some of my old ideas, some of the world's old ideas. It wasn't just about me. It was about a bigger picture universe. But I mean, I was in my late 30s when that transformation started. And so I'm not trying to dismiss that or belittle that. We're really talking about like internet memes here today. But I'm just giving that as a context to I have changed a lot. If you've been around from my blogging days, you know that you've seen that if you're new to this kind of show, you're probably not surprised by it. Because while I really, really want to emphasize connection through conversation and introspection and that kind of thing on this show. What I'm also really talking about here is growth, right and evolution and And right now, in the year 2020, the internet is one of these driving forces. Of course, it always hasn't been, but it's what we got now. And as a lot of us are trying to stay at home, quarantine more than we would have at any other time of life, the internet is really what we're working with. So when I ask on social media about this topic, when has the internet changed your mind, I was maybe unsurprised to see that food was something that they had been influenced by on the internet. Several people said they had gone vegan. A few people had talked about sort of like a diet culture reference. And I also have to admit that food, which is not something that I gave a ton of thought to 10 years ago, besides just enjoying it and loving it. But the food thing has also been really something I've paid attention to online. Intuitive eating has been something that I learned about online. Of course, then I followed it up with reading a book and doing some other things around that. But if people hadn't been posting about like anti-diet culture on the internet, I definitely would not have connected some of the dots between people's internal issues with food, my own internal narrative of food, how prevalent eating disorders are, Lots and lots of thoughts around cooking for myself. I mean, I thank Re Drummond, the pioneer woman, so much because in the early days of mommy blogging for me, in my early days of motherhood, she would post her recipes. And Dad Gum, if Re did not post like every single photo, so like melting butter in a pan, there was a photo of that. Now, my mom used to tease me because my mom, who's an amazing cook, was like, I don't need a photo of melting butter in a pan. Like, I know how to do that step. And I was like, okay, but I don't. So I'm actually so grateful to the internet because cookbooks skip showing you all of those dumb steps. <laughs> but thank you to the internet and Therese style of recipe blogging. I could follow every single step and make sure that everything looked right in the pan or the bowl or the oven, and know that I was doing it right, or at least sort of right. And that was huge for me. I didn't start cooking until I was a mom. And so i that was all new. I was already in my 30s. I was like trying to figure out how to be a human at home, and I turned to the internet. Well, then, as I started cooking for myself, of course, what then happens is you just become more aware of food and its place in your life, and its your place in relationship, your relationship to your body. This was all morphing for me in early motherhood, and i just learned a lot of things around food, both cooking for myself, nurturing myself, and staying aware of all of these elements around diet culture, anti-diet culture, all of that. That has been a big one for me in terms of changing my mind on the internet. Before I had this type of information in my social media feeds, in my blog reader back when I used to use a blog reader, I had lots of old ingrained ideas around food and weight and cooking. I distinctly remember at a big family holiday dinner in my early 20s, I said very proudly how I was never going to learn to cook. To me, again, I was young and dumb, it felt like the opposite of feminism or something to take a lot of pride in like cooking and feeding my family. Like I, I felt like then that that very domestic things like cooking and party throwing and that sort of thing was something from my mom's generation that I did not want to carry I was going to be a different sort of woman and so lo and behold when I become a mom and I wanted to learn to cook and then I started to really like to cook and I was so surprised by it almost to the point that I almost like would hide it because I knew I had spouted all those earlier ideas to my family about how I was never going to be like my own mom, who, by the way, was an amazing career woman, but she was also an amazing cook and very domestic and held some ideas that I didn't want to be tied to. But then here I was and my mind was changing on it, but in a good way, in a way that I loved. I feel like I could talk on this topic forever and I'm not going to. The other example I'm going to give on the lighter end of the spectrum is the Enneagram now it is well documented. I have said all of her social media. I have said on other podcasts, I have said for years that I don't like the Enneagram. If you're unfamiliar, the Enneagram is a very popular personality typing system. You take a test, you fall into one of nine types, and that helps you understand yourself better and understand others better. Well, I'm not going to do like a whole Enneagram spinoff here right now, but I don't like the way the Enneagram makes me feel. I believe there is something to it. I believe there is something to personality typing tests. I will tell you all day long that I am an Enneagram 1 strongly. Everything I read about Enneagram 1s, I relate to. Like it really has nailed the different personality motivations and pain points. And I am that. I am an Enneagram One. But when it was becoming so popular a few years ago and everyone was reading about it and sending you articles about it and all of this thing, I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't feel proud to be an Enneagram One. I didn't want to enthusiastically chat about my oneness with other people. Like it was like the opposite of when you read, I don't know, an inspirational horoscope or something and you feel like seen and known. I didn't feel that way. I felt a little bit seen and known, but I also felt like this makes me feel bad about myself. I'm not motivated by learning the bad things about myself and then wanting to fix them. It just was not motivating to me the way it seemed to be motivating to everyone else. Also, if you're a big Enneagram enthusiast, please do not come at me with that's exactly how I'm supposed to feel. And I mean, I've said this for a long time. People always inundate me with all the ways the Enneagram is amazing. After I've talked about how I don't like it, I it's fine. It's fine that I don't like it. Anyway, how the internet has changed my mind about it is because people talk about it all the time and have sent me all these articles I just referenced and all of this kind of thing. It hasn't been the articles that has changed my mind, to be honest. What has changed my mind a little bit on the Enneagram is learning more about it, that's the internet piece, feeling the peer pressure of being into it and how my dislike of it was like wrong because that meant I didn't understand it or some kind of thing. I had a peer pressure piece to it. Again, that's the internet. But then the part I took into relationship, which remember they go hand in hand, what we learn on the internet, and then it plays out in our real life. There's been a few different times where I have seen how it is helpful in understanding other people and in understanding how they didn't mean to hurt you or understanding how you missed the mark with some of your own actions because of the way they received it. This has played out in my business mastermind where two of us are Enneagram ones, two of us are Enneagram sevens. This has played out in the former podcast I was on, Sorta Awesome. So in group dynamics, especially in the context of friendship relationship, I can see after all the hounding... This is me admitting that the Enneagram maybe isn't terrible, and the internet changed my mind on that. On a more serious note, I know you guys know that studying and uncovering and furthering this conversation around racial bias in America has been something that has been very important to me for years. I share about it online regularly. I try to educate myself on books and podcasts on this topic. I've done my own series on this very topic. All of that came from my mind being changed on the internet. And ironically, in a very weird and meta way, it started from me saying I didn't want to talk about race on the internet. So years and years ago, in response to a blogging community that I was a part of, It was making a call for white women bloggers to share more about Trayvon Martin's murder. I responded with no. Publicly, I responded this way. I didn't want to talk about that. That is not the type of thing I talked about on my blog. And further, I did not think that other bloggers that I was in the community with, recipe bloggers, mommy bloggers, craft bloggers, that racial bias was something that we all needed to be talking about. I did not think that there should be a public shaming that it wasn't part of our content. I responded this way publicly, and I didn't even say it as nicely as that. I said it in an ugly, snarky way, and I was called out for it, rightfully so. I had people, strangers on Twitter, on Facebook, who were rightfully outraged at the way I had expressed this opinion. Most of them were not really coming for my opinion so much as they were coming for the way I had expressed it. Although there were arguments on both sides, to be honest. I was wrong. I feel like now I was wrong on about three different sides. But at the time, the only thing I would really take ownership of was the way that I had expressed it. I had people come to me behind the scenes, both friends and people who were like kind of wanting to educate me It was a big call out, not as big as call out culture is now, of course, but it was a real awakening to me about racial bias and what it really means and how insidious it is and how far it goes. When I had made my original statement around it, I was coming from a place of that's not my lane. I'm going to stay in my lane. I had no idea that it was exactly in my lane as a human person. Anyway, there was a a little bit of a kerfluffle on my end. And I apologized. I really was sorry. Even in just a few days, I was realizing how much I didn't know and was realizing how how wrong I was. And I wasn't only making that realization because I was being shamed. I was making that realization because people were teaching me. And so I was like, oh, I just didn't know. I had been like legitimately ignorant to the issue. Well, it wasn't until years after that that I actually started to do the work of untangling racial bias and doing some research and reading the books and then sharing it on my podcast or on my social media or whatever. It was years after that incident. But definitely that incident was not just a seed. A seed isn't a strong enough word there. It was a event for me, like a milestone moment of when things started to change. That was really a big deal in my life. But you don't always know it when it's happening. And I try to remember that, that sometimes you can be having a fight on the internet and the person who is most dug in might also be the person who changes eventually. Or that person might be you. Because I dug in back then. I I stood by my point and I see this happening with other people all the time on all sides about all kinds of things that you cannot... Think that just because a person is absolutely a staunch believer and they are arguing it to the death on their own page, that you won't see some change in that very same person over a few years' time. And do you know what is changing them? Do you know what is changing us? A huge chunk of it is interaction on the internet. It just is. Of course, relationship is a big part of it. Of course, long-form learning Books, podcasts, movies are a huge part of it. They're all supplemental to it. But I am convinced and I'm here to tell you that these first changes are taking place on the internet, specifically on social media. And I have seen this happen time and time again in my own feed over long periods of time within my own family, within many, many friends, both online friends and real life friends. And then, of course, as I've explained in myself People change. We need to allow one another to change. And instead of writing one another off, which I'm known to do, and sometimes, of course, needs to be done, but also we just need to give ourselves a little bit of space to change and grow. I really do think that and believe that. And also that it's okay to say, I was wrong about something a few years ago. Or if you don't want to use the word wrong, if you want to say, I've just learned more. I've changed my mind. I don't think this anymore. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you're dumb. It doesn't mean that you've lost your backbone. It just means that you learned something and it changed your mind. And isn't that amazing? I guess I had a lot more words on this topic than I thought I did. (laughs) But I'm so glad you guys stuck around to listen. I really, really hope that you take this topic in particular to your world, whatever that looks like this week, online or off. If you want to talk about this in a little bit more of a private setting, The 10 things to tell you connection group on Facebook is called just that 10 things to tell you connection group. You can search for it or there will be a link in the show notes. I'm going to leave you here with some words from your fellow listeners. They sent me ways in which the internet has changed them and I just love this so much. I love hearing from you guys. I want to have your voices on as much as possible. So make sure that you're following the show on social media at 10 things to tell you or you're in the connection group, which is where I always put these requests first before I put it anywhere else. I hope that this one sparks some great conversation for you this week my name is anna i live in honolulu i have changed in a lot of ways that i can trace back to blogs that i've read
1: or articles that i've found through friends posting online and
0: it has changed the way i look at my faith and my politics and just my general understanding of being in the world it's also shown me that i
1: Can use my voice. I think I've always tried to stay quiet or stay non-controversial, but I've learned that my voice, if I have something that I'm interested
0: in or care about, my voice matters, and that's also been something how I've changed. I don't think I ever would have realized that had it not been for the internet showing
1: me from observing that from how my friends and people I care about
0: have changed my mind. My name's Krista and I'm from Buda, Texas, and the internet has changed my mind about racism actually. It took someone in an influential position posting about it for years for me to read and reflect and process my own thoughts and feelings, but just watching this person engage in such a compassionate way um, like five or six years ago really made me begin to challenge beliefs that I held and changed my mind completely and I never thought that would have happened.
1: Hi, my name is Shelby, and I'm from Mobile, Alabama. I don't think that I've ever been changed by a Facebook post, but um, sometimes people's Facebook posts have led me to want to do my own research, and that research has led me to change my mind, or even just in general doing research and you know learning more
0: has led to that, but just yelling into the void or arguing with me doesn't really do it. Hi, my name is Jackie Cush from Atherton, California. I recently had my mind changed by the internet when I listened to the Book Riot podcast on Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. When I read it a few months ago, I liked it, but I didn't really fully understand it. In listening to them and their insights, I had a much better appreciation of the book and what the author was trying to say, and I like the book a lot more now as a result.
1: Hi, this is Kara from New Jersey. Uh, I'm a big follower on Instagram, and I have to say, if it wasn't for Instagram and the people that I follow, and the people that they follow, I would have never had myself challenged and completely influenced about Black Lives Matter and racial injustice in the U.S., and it has changed me for the better, hopefully for the better and the better and the better. My name is Caitlin, and I am from Bangor, Maine. Several years ago, I started following bachelorette Jillian Harris on Instagram. And despite being a meat and potatoes loving Canadian, she would intermittently bring up her attempts to reduce her dairy and meat consumption in her cooking. And at the time, I was subscribed to a meat CSA, and I ate a typical American diet. I wasn't thinking all that much about what I was eating at all. But I began following her friend, Erin Ireland, who's a baker and vegan activist in Vancouver. And after watching a few of her stories about the meat industry, I had an almost immediate realization that I would someday just stop eating animals. So over six months, I slowly incorporated tofu and more vegetables into my diet, and I eliminated animal products and eventually honey as well. And now I have been vegan for 18 months this week, and I still don't have a single in real life vegan friend. My husband is now a vegetarian. Um, But I can honestly say that this is the best thing I have ever done for my health and for my heart. And this is my story of how social media has dramatically changed my life for the better. Hello, my name is Amber, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. The internet changed my mind one time when I was really confused about why sharing your pronouns was important. I truly didn't understand. And then I saw a random post on Instagram which made it all make sense. And since then, I've always shared my pronouns.
0: Hi, my name is Anna Hethersay and I'm from Dallas, Texas. And it was some Facebook groups about transracial adoption that opened my eyes to the reality of systemic racism and white privilege and my responsibility to confront those issues personally. And it was also people who I admired who are regularly posting about those issues who also helped me on my journey. And it's why I continue to post publicly about controversial issues like that because I know it worked for me. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 things to tell you. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.